on a mission. It's a mission to turn our world upside down. That happens when people hear the good news of Jesus. So get ready for God to turn you upside down. Well, today I'm, I'm very, very glad to have a, a young man with us. His name is Lachlan, and he was raised in an atheistic household. But it was in his 20s that he came to faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to welcome you, Lachlan. Welcome to uh, Mission Upside Down. Thank you very much for having me on. So I got to meet you a few months back and was interested in your story about how you came to faith in Jesus. And, and you told me that you'd be willing to share some some personal details about that. So let's yes. just jump right in. How about just starting with your religious background? Were, were your parents, your grandparents raised in church or, or how was it for you? So as you mentioned, we were raised in a, uh, I say we, my, me and my younger brothers were raised in an atheist household. Um, there was not really any role whatsoever of religion or uh, any talks of Christianity or even any other religion for that matter. Uh, it was just not a conversation we ever really had. Um, and you know, we were kind of pushed away from it in our childhood. Mm. So there was a lot of negativity towards Christianity in our, in our household. So that definitely uh, um, kind of butted heads with us as we were coming closer to mm-hmm. God and Christianity for sure. What was some of the what was some of the negativity specifically? How did you think about the church, or how did your parents think about the church? Maybe. Well, one of the uh, the big stereotypes we had was church was just there to collect money, and uh, mm. its whole purpose was to uh, to bring people more in just so they can collect that uh, donation money. Right. And uh, you know, yeah. like I said, a lot of negativity towards it, and even just the the arguments or the debates we would have, it was very antagonizing. It wasn't in good faith. You know, it mm. was, we were, we were seeking out Christians to kind of persecute them in a way to, mm. to say you're wrong. And this is why, and we didn't really have any foundation behind it. It was just, that's kind of, that was mm-hmm. who we were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then humanly speaking, how did you start getting interested in, in Christian things? How did, how did that start to develop with you? So, um, there's a mix of stories there, but, uh, in the, uh, the very beginning, uh, on my part, I was, uh, looking at, uh, actually taking over the business that, uh, uh I was currently working at. And, um, we were looking at hiring a, uh, a new employee and we needed a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of our students at the time, his mother was looking at becoming a bookkeeper and asked if we were able to do, or to do bookkeeping for us and, and payroll. Mm-hmm. And she was a, a Christian at the church that we go to now. And she had come to work. She was communicating these ideas. And at the same time, I was kind of debating back and forth with my brother about Christianity and things like that. He was a little further than I was at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was looking more and more into it. He was asking me questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I was finding I was losing every single argument, every single debate that we were having. And, you know, I, I didn't know what to say. So I would bring these questions to work to my, my Christian bookkeeper. And I was asking her to explain these a little bit more and more and more. And so, uh, she was able to provide some, some better explanations that I was able to bring home and communicate across with my brother. Mm -hmm. Um, but then from there, she, uh, eventually invited us to come to church and 
we've been oh. going ever since. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I had the privilege of, of, of meeting her at your, your church some, some weeks ago, a very uh, warm and, and enthusiastic uh, personality that she carries. But then you, you mentioned your brother, that he was a big influence on you. So, so maybe to focus on your brother, what, what was his story a bit? Definitely. So uh, I don't want to get into it too much, but he definitely had a, uh, a deciding moment. He had a, a very peculiar experience um, as he tried prayer for the first time. And so um, he was just in a very, very down situation and um, nothing was really helping him. And, you know, he had gone to speak with professionals about dealing with uh, like stress and anxiety and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, nobody could really give him any sort of solution. So the only other solution he had found online was um, people were recommending prayer. So he tried and uh, said it was life changing. And uh, if you have him on the show, he can definitely talk to you about that a little bit more. But uh, he, he was just kind of explaining these experiences that he was having to me. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't... Uh, give him any other reasoning. So it was at that point, we knew there was something more than just the physical. There's, there's, there's a spiritual realm and it's interacting with us on a day-to-day basis. Uh And, um, you know, at the time we didn't really necessarily know where that came from or, or who that was, but, uh, it just kind of opened that door to accept that there's more going on than we know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is kind of a, in my experience as a, as a pastor too, how, yeah, just to kind of that threshold of acknowledging that there's a spiritual realm, whether or not it's Christianity yet, but just accepting the idea that there's something more out there is, it's kind of a big step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Uh-huh. And, and so, you know, us coming to church and uh, having, you know, my bookkeeper explain these things to, to me, we were able to kind of ha- build some sort of foundation as to, to what this was. And, um, you know, we start looking into the Bible more and more and more. And like I said, we were debating back and forth. The uh, mm-hmm. There's the cosmological argument, the spiritual argument, the historical argument. You know, was histor- historically, was Jesus a real person? Um, did he exist? What proof is there? What does the Bible say? What is what do other other people say, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you just realize there's undeniable proof that historically he existed. So mm-hmm. now cosmologically, we look into the creation of everything. What does the Bible say? What do other people say? And um, ultimately there, there has to be a creator. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean it's the Christian God? Not necessarily at this point, mm-hmm. um, but there has to be a creator when you mm-hmm. really dig into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the design of creation, it's so intricate. And as science proceeds, I mean, it, it it's so, more amazing than they thought even 50 years ago that there's oh, gotta be absolutely yeah, yeah exactly. and especially you look into like how we're broken down too you know you have dna yes. like that in itself is a language that yes. you know languages are created by beings who can mm-hmm. speak and interact who have thought and understanding mm-hmm. and uh you know you don't you don't bash two rocks together and create a language that's <laughs> something that people think of or, or you know somebody has to come up with yeah so then yeah, the design of creation shows there's got to be some kind of designer. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so then you get into the kind of spiritual aspect of it. And then, you know, that's where you get into, well, if Jesus historically was real mm-hmm. and there has to be a creator, mm-hmm. well, then are the things that Jesus claimed to be true? 
Mm-hmm. And so that's where we can get into testing the validity of the Bible. And like mm-hmm. I said, I was losing every single debate, every, everything that kind of goes back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. I have yet to uh, disprove. I, I, I cannot prove or sorry, I cannot disprove a single aspect of the Bible. Everything so far has been a hundred percent accurate. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for yourself, was there a one deciding moment, kind of a day and, and, and time in your conversion, or would you say it was more of a, a process of, of becoming converted? So for me, it was more of a process. However, there are a few very deciding moments um, that didn't really change me in the moment. But now looking back, I kind of see how God's been working through my life. And so um, the very first time I had ever tried prayer, I, uh, this was well years, years before, maybe 2015, 2016. And uh, I uh, don't remember why, but I just remember thinking in my head, you know what? There's a lot of very smart, very rich people, very intelligent people that I know that donate money to the church. They are Christians, you know, they believe in a God. So if all of these smart people believe in a God, there's got to be some truth to it, right? So I almost, I guess, sort of humbled myself for a second to uh, um, kind of say, you know what, if there is a God, let's give it a shot. So I decided one day I was going to get down on the side of my bed and just get on my knees and, and try prayer. So I couldn't really think of what to say or what to do. So the first thing I thought of was, well, well, what can God do for me? Right. Mm. So I, uh, yeah, you know, got on my knees and I started to pray and I just said out loud, if there is a God, show me who I'm going to marry. And I didn't really think anything of it at the time. You know, I just thought, whatever, I'm just doing this silly thing by myself in my room and nothing will ever come of it. But crazy thing is three days later, I met the woman who I would end up marrying six, seven years down the road. Uh-huh. So it was uh, very coincidental. And I, I didn't really, or not coincidental, that was God's providence, I should say. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah. um, I didn't really realize until I was getting married. And then I kind of thought about what had happened. And um, yeah, it just blew me away. So there's there's a few events in my life similar to that where... In the moment, I don't really notice, but looking back, it's you, you see God's been with me all along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I read somewhere in some book that most people who get converted, say in their teen, young adult years, have probably had five, six, seven kind of encounters with Christians they found interesting, or as you said, coincidences as we think of them at the time, yep. to kind of nudge them along the way until they finally you know, kind of surrender to Christ and, and put clear Christian faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. There's a lot of nudges along the way. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So one thing, uh, Lachlan, that that really encouraged me, I guess, as a pastor um, about your story and your conversion is that almost right away you, you started going to church. How, how was that? And didn't it feel a bit strange at first? How, how, how did you experience that? So it was definitely a bit of an odd experience, that's for sure. Like I said, uh, my mindset at the time going into church was they're just there for your money. They're just there to collect donations. So um, 
that was kind of what I was expecting the first time going into church. However, I uh, was not pestered or bothered for money by any means, mm. other than just the usual, uh, you know, here's here's a spot to donate if you so please. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I it was almost kind of shocked by that because that's not at all what I was expecting. Wow. And um, actually going to church, people were very hospitable to us. They invited us over for lunch and uh, fed us, gave us, uh, you know, coffee. They let us in their homes and entertained us for the afternoon. We were given Bibles. We were given uh, education. And all of this was was free. You know, we were not expected or asked to give anything in return. It was just given to us out of the graciousness of uh, people's hearts. and. Um, you know, we were absolutely blown away by that. And and so now I donate to the church consistently because I feel like they have given so much to me that it's only right that I give back. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's right. And I maybe it's the television, the tele-evangelists, you know, most people get their sense of Christianity by just flicking through the channels and all this heavy emphasis on sending your donation. We take credit cards and this, that, mm-hmm. and the other, and selling their sermon uh, series and that. But yeah, when you go into most churches, and especially the church you walked into, the money part is kind of low key, and it sort of emphasizes this is what members do. But if you're a visitor, feel free. I used to say that if you're a visitor, feel free, pass the plate along. There's no obligation on any visitor. But as you observe, it's it's once you are a Christian, then you want to give more out of your what just. I guess, thankfulness, gratitude, and also the sense of, hey, this can help others. Absolutely. And you almost start to realize that not just $10 or $100 or $1,000 has been given to you by God, but every single penny that you have ever earned and ever will earn has been given to you by God. So you are only a temporary holder of that money. That is not yours. And so when you start to realize that, then it's just a, a transfer of these funds so that uh-huh. God can help you so you can help others. Uh-huh. Yeah. Blessed blessed to be a blessing then to others. And out of thankfulness, not out of obligation or duty or by putting a twenty dollar bill in the in the plate, this is gonna get me to heaven. But right, God owns everything. And this exactly. is just a small portion of what we give back. You also um had told me about the the pastor of the church that he was kind of particularly helpful to you and your well girlfriend at the time, but then later your your wife to be. How, how was that? Yes, yeah, so uh, he was a fantastic pastor, and I think he definitely played a a, a very large role in um, bringing us closer to God and keeping us in the church and um, setting us down the right path. Um, he was a little bit more of a uh, straightforward individual. If he he said something, you know, he meant it. He wasn't the type of person to beat around the bush by any means. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that really helped because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're very much like that as well. I want to just hear the, the facts. I don't want to, uh-huh. like I said, beat around the bush or, or, you know, try and speak with hidden meanings and things. If you, you got something to say, you know, say it. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's, that's what's needed today is there's a lot of, uh, um, I, I guess lukewarm Christians would be the term you would use in the church or just in general. A lot of people are wishy-washy. They don't pick a side or they're very indecisive. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like we need that today where we need somebody who can uh, take a stand and, mm-hmm. and lead people and say, this is the right way, regardless of what the world thinks. This is the right way to do it. 
and this is how I'm going to do it. And, you know, and, and just, just do it. And, and he was very much like that. He didn't really care what the world said or what other people outside the church would, would think about him. He just understood this is God's word. This is how I am to live my life. And I'm going to do it that way. And, and we really respected him for that. Yeah. And we looked up to him as a pastor, as a, even just as a man, you know, mm-hmm. he is yeah. a, a man I aspire to be like. He is a, a very um, good father in my eyes. And that's the type of person that I hope to be one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you got to know him kind of personally. Did you meet with him like individually, personally? Did he like personally meet with you? So um, we did uh, lessons and things in the church. Right, right. And Main he was teacher. there. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was there initially to kind of just introduce us uh, to one of the elders and mm-hmm. get us comfortable, get us used to it. And um, we became very close with him. And uh, mm-hmm. just over, over the time we had, uh, you know, built a, a good relationship with mm-hmm. him, I feel. And mm-hmm. uh, just liked asking him odd questions. And, and what was interesting is because we were adults coming into the church, although being baby Christians, it was almost like the way we would describe it is we were um, asking adult questions, but almost like with a childlike curiosity. Ah. And so I find a lot of these Christians who have grown up in the church, they ask potentially adult questions, but it's with an adult mindset. And so because we are almost baby Christians, Uh we, we have that kind of newfound curiosity. It's almost like I've discovered a new world and I want to know everything about it. And so we find ourselves maybe asking questions that some Christians who have grown up in the church don't necessarily ask. So it almost provokes good conversation, I find, too. Yeah, yeah. I I was saying to you before we started this um, official conversation, you know, how people who've come to faith in Jesus later in life, say in their teens or in their 20s, can really encourage us who've been in the faith since childhood. Our parents were Christians, our grandparents may have been Christians, but you as a, a new believer and your wife-to-be were asking the kind of questions that, yeah, even gets us thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's just good all the way around. The, the long-time believers are a blessing to the new believers, and the new believers can be a blessing to the long-time believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you eventually uh, put your saving faith in Jesus. You, you were converted uh, more yes. of a process than a than a one moment thing. What what were some things you learned about faith, and and what are you learning about faith? You're you're trusting in Jesus as your as your savior. What would you say on that? Well, um, and see, this is another big misconception that we had coming into the church as well as the idea of faith. Ah. And the way we were kind of brought up was faith meant. Do what they tell you to do, basically, and don't question it. Uh-huh. But, you know, I've come to realize that's not necessarily what it is. Uh-huh. Faith is almost the same idea as to have trust in someone. I don't mm-hmm. just trust people blindly. I don't trust random strangers I don't know blindly just because. I trust mm-hmm. people I know because they they have a reputation of being trustful or mm-hmm. of standing true to their word, essentially. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's what I believe having faith means. And so, like I said before, the Bible has yet to be disproven. I cannot find a single mm-hmm. uh, area in the Bible that I can disprove and say, you know what? No, this this is wrong. This doesn't make sense at all. 
maybe it doesn't make sense, but I, I wouldn't say it's wrong. I would just say, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, understand, understand it yet. And there, right. there is an answer. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so to me, God through his word is staying true to his word. Mm -hmm. And so that is where I would say, that's where you need to have faith. When God says something in his word that is proven to be true, you have faith that the next thing he says is true because everything prior to it is true. You don't need to um, question every little thing if you have faith, right? If you believe that somebody has their your best interest in mind, you have wow. faith that they will do what's right for you. Yes. And yes. so that's the kind of attitude that we need to have. Yes, it's not just this, some have likened saving faith, like this blind leap of faith, this this leap in the dark, not knowing where you're going to land. But that's not really a, a proper analogy. And other good theologians have pointed that out too. Look, God has already revealed himself to be true. And here are Christian people who have proven themselves faithful and true and of good character. And so it's not just this blind leap of faith. It's it's seeing, it's observing Yes, occasionally pushing the limits, <laughs> going beyond what you what you know at the moment. Right. But it's based on someone, God, who has proven himself faithful and true. Exactly. And that's what we have is we have that foundation as Christians. We have the Bible to say this is where our faith comes from. Mm -hmm. It's not a blind faith. It's coming from uh, mm -hmm. a foundation of God's word and mm -hmm. and his, uh, his faith to us, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if in your own experience, I suppose, just thinking back, you know, to that prayer that you made, show me who I'm going to marry. And yeah, was that God already in those early years sort of giving you another sort of prompt? Hey, I'll, I'll show you. I'll, I'll give you that person. And lo and behold, you, you met her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and today you have a baby, right? Yes, we do. He's about <laughs> six months old now. Six months old. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. So, yeah, you you... You also said to me in conversation, sort of maybe if someone doesn't know where to start, if, if they're accepting that there's a spiritual realm, they're already open to the idea of God and sort of believe that there is a God out there, maybe start with, with prayer, start with just asking God to, to reveal himself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and what's great about prayer is it doesn't require... Uh, a lot of effort. It doesn't require a lot of money. It doesn't wow. require a lot of connections. It doesn't require anything other than for you to humble yourself for a few minutes. Uh -huh. And that's what's so great about it. You don't even need to go to a church. You don't need to go speak with a pastor or a priest. You can uh -huh. do it in the silence of your own bedroom. Uh -huh. And God will listen. God will hear you. And God will answer you if you ask. And uh -huh. that's what's so great about it. And it doesn't you don't even need to tell anybody as well. If you're <laughs> unsure, you know, if you're worried about it, you close your door, you do it at three in the morning when nobody's awake, you know, <laughs> just, right. I would right. recommend everybody try prayer even just once just to say, you know, I've done it and I've yeah. tried it and this is what's happened. And I believe if anybody comes to God with an open and humble heart and they mm -hmm. genuinely are looking for answers, mm -hmm. then God will give you the answers. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think that's just a, a great insight, uh, Lachlan. I mean, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, is it Matthew 6, you know, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. I mean, you may not even know that much about God or know that much about the Bible, but just starting there with a humble faith, like you say, a heart that's humble, 
a heart that's seeking, and uh, just pray. I, the book of James, uh, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously. Mm-hmm. So God, give me mm-hmm. wisdom. Give me insight. Show, Reveal yourself to me. And, uh, Having God, a child has very humbled me in this uh, aspect uh, as well, because uh-huh. you almost start to see that relationship between uh, you and and God the Father as uh, yeah. almost like father and child, and, and I see it in the same way. Where you know my son is so innocent, and he he really doesn't know better. If he throws right. something across the room, does he really know better? Can he fix it? No, you know I maybe right. reprimand him in in the instant so he learns, but um, you know in the end, you know he doesn't really know better. I have to forgive him. I have to yeah. accept that he's a baby and he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. So and here's so, God the Father uh, looking at us as dead in our sins and trespasses, just beginning the first wobbly steps of faith, being gracious and generous to us yep, and loving and, us. And we keep messing up and he says, <laughs> they don't know any better. They're just children. What do they know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like you really, yeah, you, you've got the idea of grace, huh? God being gracious to us. We're saved by grace. God's grace to us in Jesus, nothing we bring. Absolutely. Well, hey, uh, Lachlan, maybe as just kind of a um, couple of final questions about, um, you know, if, if we're in church. So a lot of our listeners go to church. I, for myself, gone to church all my life. What what advice would you have for us as longtime church members? A newcomer like yourself walks into our church there in our worship service. And then beyond that, after the worship service, how, how can church members help those who are seeking or who are are new to the faith? Yeah, so um, obviously I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but from my Mm -hmm. own experience, um, what really helped us, you know, want to go to church and continue to go was, like I was saying, a lot of people there were very, very hospitable. They were Mm -hmm. willing and uh, open to welcome us into their homes. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they didn't, give us millions of dollars or uh, bribe us to, to keep coming to church. But, you know, just something like a, a coffee and a conversation is mm-hmm. um, something that is so simple that you can do. Like your time is is worth way more than any amount of money that you could ever give to somebody. So um, if you want to truly show somebody that you care and you want to help them, then you give them your time. That is mm-hmm. more valuable than anything. And... Um, you know, just, just allow them that time to talk and to learn. And, and I think that's probably one of the best things that you can do. I also found again, just from my own experience that coming into the church, the, the church was very different than the rest of the world. Ah. You know, we have a lot of these ideas of tolerance or, uh, things are this way because that's the way the world's going now. So we just have to accept it. And and I think that's a terrible attitude to have. If you genuinely believe something's wrong, then you need to stand by it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we found that uh, the Bible doesn't necessarily agree with a lot of these things in the world. Mm-hmm. And yes. if, like, like we've already established that everything in the Bible is true mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, God is ultimately good and everything that comes from God is good, Mm-hmm. then we have to believe that God knows best and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we gotta, we gotta listen to what he, he says. And, mm-hmm. um, what we really found is, is that the church was not following the world just to follow the world. 
It had its convictions and it stayed true to its convictions. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what we were looking for. We wanted something to say, we're not like the world. We do uh, follow these good practices. We don't want to succumb to this just because that's what everyone says we should do. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is very important as well. Um, is just, you know, fighting this, this degeneracy and, and trying to keep things good essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of churches and pastors were kind of tempted, I think, especially in the Canadian context where we're kind of a land of tolerance and, oh, you can't bring any kind of judgment and you can never say something is wrong or bad or sinful. And it subtly impacts even how we preach sometimes. But I think in our denomination and others like it, there's a willingness to stand against certain things in the world. I mean, we still have to be friendly to people and uh, treat people with decency and respect, but but standing up for what God says in his word. Absolutely. And, and like I was saying before, we don't want to be lukewarm Christians. We don't want to be yeah. stuck in the middle of the road. We want to pick a side. We want to say, I'm on God's side. And what does God say? God says, this is wrong. We are going to get rid of that. We don't want that in our lives. We don't want this sin. We don't want this evil in our lives. We want God and what God gives us is good. And that's what we want. Yeah. And it just strikes me now, just hearing you talk, how the church on the one hand was very gracious and warm and inviting and friendly and listened, but at the same time, they didn't compromise the truth. So kind of both sides, you got to be gentle and compassionate, especially to newcomers and those new in the faith, but still stand up for what God says in his word and how Jesus wants us to live in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Compassion is very, very important. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, God is very compassionate. God does forgive. He is. uh, Actually, I had this conversation with one of my friends the other day. Uh, He was asking, you know, does God forgive all? And I said, God does not forgive all. However, he is all forgiving. And what I meant by that is yeah. that he doesn't just blindly forgive everyone just, you know, because it's like an old, did. Like an old grandfather who just says they're there. That's exactly. Not so <laughs> that's, that's not God. That's not our God. However, he is all forgiving, meaning if you approach him with genuine humbleness and repentance and you say, you know what, Father, I have done wrong. Please, mm-hmm. please, please forgive me. Mm-hmm. I truly believe he will. And that's what I mean by all forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lachlan, we, this has been so delightful and we could talk for hours on what God is showing you and teaching you. It's just so great for me to hear uh, your story as a, as a young man raised in an atheistic household that, that God was gracious to you. You, you found a good church, a good pastor, good people there. And now you and your wife raising your son in, in the right way. And as he gets older, instructing him in the ways ways of the Lord. So may God bless you, Lachlan. Uh, and may you continue to grow in, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Pastor. And you. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Randall. This podcast is produced by my brothers in Christ, Dennis and Moses. Won't you tell your friends about us? We're Mission Upside Down. Thank you.